Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. On a wet and a wild uh, Wednesday morning, be very, very careful if you are heading out uh, today, particularly between now and 12 o'clock, because that uh, status um, orange uh, warning, weather warning is in place until midday today. And there really is a lot of debris on the roads. And if when you're if you're in a rural area and you're coming around a bend, you really don't know what you're going to be facing. So you do have to be very careful. And there's surface water because there's a lot of rain there as well. I mean, even on my very short commute to work today, I can already see where potholes are starting to form. Uh, there's a couple of very large potholes that keep getting filled in on the journey that I make to work but on a day like today the bit of patchwork and repair work that the council have done just all gets blown out on a day like today and we'll be back to craters again I can guarantee you probably by the time I'm, I'm heading home uh, later on today now some reports we've been already in for people that are out and about if you come across anything uh, text us or call us when it is safe to do so uh, obviously so that we can let other people know what's going on on the roads and help people out by getting them to avoid areas because some roads are blocked because there were trees and electricity wires down. For example, we've reports of electricity wires down on the Shannon Vale to Balanine Road near Cohan's Quarry. Now, the last we heard from that, which was before News at 10, was that Gardaí are on the scene. So hopefully they're getting that under control. There's a tree down on the road between Shri Lane Cross and the Lee Valley Golf Club. You can expect delays. It's obviously possible, but delays can be expected until they get that tree removed. Gusts of up to 118 kilometres per hour have already been reported this morning at the Fastnet and it the warning has been issued to the public to avoid coastline areas because of those severe winds and uh, the high seas. And this is Storm Diana is lashing our shores and it is coming in from the west. And we were talking about it yesterday, about a side sweep is what the rest of the country is getting, but it's the west coast that's getting the worst of it. So thinking of people in West Cork this morning, keep well away from the shoreline, please. There's a tree down and it's landed on a car on the R618 that's in the Carrigrahan to Leemount Cross Roads area. And I'm told it's close to the Angler's Rest Bar. And just getting in reports that plastic traffic dividers have blown onto the road at Sarsfields, beside Sarsfields Road Roundabout and the Wilton Shopping Centre. And it's a hazard for traffic 
now hopefully somebody powers the bee will get out there and get that uh, sorted and I'm assuming they're those orange plastic traffic dividers that have been in place because there's roadworks going on around Wilton Shopping Centre and those dividers have been there for a couple of weeks now but obviously in this way, wind the traffic dividers were put in place to divide traffic and they've suddenly ended up in the middle of the road but it can be dangerous if you're driving along and something like that blows in your path I mean I use the simple example to Simon this morning when I was driving to work a pot plant that obviously came out of somebody's gateway that was adorning somebody's garden just shot out in front of me but when you're driving along luckily I'd literally just taken off it was a few doors down from my own house but so I was driving very slowly but you do get a fright when something because you don't know what it is you you know your instant reaction is is it an animal you you know it's to break swerving to avoid it or whatever you do have to be very very careful all trains were told are operating this morning out of Cork Kent station and also from Mallow so that's good news for the commuters and Cork Airport if you are flying out of Cork Airport or you're heading to the airport to collect somebody today you really need to, do need to get online and check because there has been a number of flights a lot of the early morning flights were cancelled this morning that that is going to obviously need to knock on delays maybe even further cancellations as the day goes on so you need to check with Cork Airport before travelling uh, and you know if you're expecting somebody in you better you know you're better off checking rather than going up there to discover that the flight has been cancelled and also getting reports in of electricity outages now we can expect more of these electricity outages I'm assuming as the morning goes on and particularly as the status orange yellow warning and these high winds are still in place until 12 o'clock so if you if you want to boil the kettle and have a flask ready, obviously that's a great thing to do in advance of a, if you know there's going to be an electricity outage because there's nothing like having a cup of tea or a cup of coffee when the lights are gone. The electricity outage so far this morning, Coachford, Bailnablaw, parts of Crookstown and there's also electricity outages in uh, Kilcroham and we're getting a report just in of a major electricity outage in Ringeskiddy and in Carrigaline and we think of all the ESB network workers um, and other workers today, the other, all the emergency services and the council and all of that and the people that have to go out and work in these atrocious conditions. Now, I know normally when there are winds and the status orange weather alert is still in place, normally the ESB because of the nature of what those guys have to do climbing up holes they normally don't send them out so we'll try and check in with the with the ESB networks as to how soon do they expect to get crews out and sorting out those electricity outages but you can take it for now if you have an outage you'll certainly have it for the next few hours before those brave guys can get out and sort it out there's also electricity outage in Dungourney 1850 if there's anything you want us to add to that list that we already have. Uh, John Paul has taken the cause and you can text or WhatsApp me at 0862 103 103, particularly if you have an update to pass on to anyone else. And we are hoping to get a call through to Met Aaron just so that they can let us know how the rest of today uh, is expected to pan out and what can we expect over the next few days because the indication seems to be that we've got a disturbed weather pattern what does a disturbed weather pattern look like so fingers crossed we will be able to get through to Met Aaron and they'll have somebody available to uh, speak with us this morning on the programme and can I also give you an update and this is kind of this becomes sort of weather related as well 
to do with the goats that are stranded on what has been described to us as a sea cave. It's on the Kenmare side of the Beira Peninsula. Now, I, I saw, John Paul got me a photograph this morning of these two goats. Well, it's, I'm told it's a sea cave. To me, it looks like they're halfway down a cliff face on a ledge. I mean, is that what you call a sea cave? I don't know. That's what it looks like to me. It's, it's a rock, large cliff rock, and they're, they're on some kind of a ledge. You now it's quite in the distance, but that's what it looks like. I'm assuming they've more room than what it looks like from the photograph, because on the photograph it looks like the two are standing on a, a ledge. We've been hearing about these goats. We initially thought they were from the distance. Somebody thought they were, ca- they were calves, but it turns out that they're actually two uh, goats. They've been stranded there now since it's Monday, wasn't it? When we first, it was John from Beira contacted us to see, because he was trying to get help for the goats and he wasn't able to. And he was seeing if we could intervene, would we be able to get uh, any help? Uh, anyway, just the update. They're still there. We did contact the Coast Guard and uh, were advised, um, the the Coast Guard advised us that people should not go near the goats or attempt any kind of a rescue. And that is particularly important for a day like today. The Coast Guard also told us they do not rescue animals, but they are monitoring the situation along with Valencia Coast Guard. They're on alert. We spoke with the Gardaí in Castletown Bear. They said there's no access to the area but again, they also contacted the local Coast Guard. Both the Coast Guard and the Guard, they warned people not to go anywhere near the area for their own safety. The Coast Guard went on to say goats, more than likely, these goats are wild goats. And by their very nature, they're used to getting into tricky situations like this. And the Coast Guard are confident that the goats should be able to climb back out because they're used to heights. But they are again reiterating, please, to members of the public, do not go anywhere near trying to rescue these goats because you're only going to get yourself into all kinds of trouble and then we will have to get the Coast Guard uh, out. Okay, so that's the latest that we have but we are monitoring the situation and as soon as we... um, And please God, they will be able to make their way out if they are wild goats. I mean, I don't know how they got down there. Did they fall? But then if two, did one fall? Did the other follow the one down? I have no idea how they got onto what looks like some kind of a shelf. But I know it's distressing and I know animal lovers in particular hate to think of these goats uh, perishing on this sea cave or cliff face. If we have any more update on that before the close of the programme, I promise you we will bring it to you. Now also, um, thank you to Maria Indrina. She's just been on to say if people are travelling from Drina to Skibbereen, if you could use the Drina revolver Revolver Road as it's safer locals will know the road <laughs> Marie uh, says don't worry OK so people travelling from Drina to Skibbereen use the Revolver Road it is safer this morning and thank you to Marie and Drina that's the kind of advice and information we're looking from uh, listeners thank you for taking the time uh, to give us a uh, call now coming up on the programme this morning uh, Boss Aaron want Cork County Council to remove four parking spaces. This is to facilitate new buses and the way, there must be larger buses and the way the buses turn into the bus station. And there was a bit of an angle there. So they're saying to Cork County Council, will you do away with four of those parking spaces there and we'll be able to swing around and, and get into the bus station? Seems like a fairly reasonable uh, request. But A, I straight away think, can McCroom afford to lose four pay parking spaces? But anyway, that's a minor uh, issue. It seems that members 
uh, representing the McCroom area are not that happy with Bus Aaron because they seemingly have been on to Bus Aaron looking for Bus Aaron to do some work in the town which hasn't been facilitated so it's kind of a little bit like well haven't you got a bit of a cheek we've been asking you to do some work you haven't been doing it now you come and expect us to hand over four, four of our parking spaces so whether they can use it as leverage against Bus Aaron it all depends on how, on how desperate Bus Aaron are to get these four spaces they may be able to get the work done so we're going to discuss that the National Patient Survey the results of it was launched this week by the Health Minister and it makes for quite interesting reading. The one thing I think that comes out from these from this patient survey and was the same last year, once you get into the system, it's getting into the system always seems to be the problem in this country but once you get in, the majority of people do seem to be happy with their experience while in an acute hospital. So all of the acute hospitals, people who spent time there, I think it was during the month of May, would have received a questionnaire and people were asked to please fill it in. Large, now not everybody, you can't make people fill in a survey, but uh, well over 50% of people did fill it in. And it is important. And I remember back in May when the patient surveys came out, or the end of May, I remember us doing a piece here and there encouraging people to fill them in. Because... They need to know about the good, the bad uh, and the ugly. I mean, if there is something wrong at the hospital and you're a patient and you can clearly see, well, that hasn't worked for me or it wasn't working for other patients in the ward, then we need to alert the powers that be. And that's where a survey like this is really good because hospitals then can say, well, we're doing that, we're doing that really well, but we're not doing that so well. Maybe we can brush up on our food. Maybe we can give better choices on our food. Maybe as nurses and doctors, we need to more clearly explain to patients about their symptoms or about the treatment or at the discharge of a patient was enough done to make sure that when that patient went home, they fully understood the medication, for example. You know, things, 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 things that they can improve, but it needs to be pointed out to them because, you know, sometimes particularly, um, I think, explaining when a nurse or a doctor explains something, if they're, if they're speaking in medical speak, they're so used to speaking in medical terms where you and I and the rest of the general public we're a bit bamboozled going don't fully understand that and then if people get flustered and they don't like to keep asking questions and then there isn't always time for questions and people can be nurses and doctors can be in a rush to get to the next patient uh, and therefore you're left sitting there going I didn't fully understand that but the doctor or the nurse is, is gone you know problems like that they can be identified in a national patient survey like this so we're going to in particular look at the results from the five Cork hospitals that were surveyed the South Infirmary the Mercy Hospital Cook University Hospital and of course our, our two wonderful hospitals in the county uh, Mallow General Hospital and Bantry General Hospital so we'll see what patients had to say say during their stay in all of those hospitals we'll take a look at that uh, this morning also looking forward to having a chat with the wonderful Father Liam Lawton I am a huge huge fan of Father Liam Lawton he's more than a singing priest because he writes the most beautiful and amazing music and if you have are lucky to have bought an album or have a CD of Father Liam Lawton you'll know you'll, you'll know how gifted this man is or anyone who's involved with a choir that has and sings the songs of Liam, Liam Lawton will know just how special the man is but if you've ever been to one of his shows he does these amazing concerts generally speaking not always but generally speaking he does them in churches the setting of a church and there is something magical about going along to a concert in a church and in the lead up to Christmas. If you want to get into that Christmas spirit and 
take you back to almost to Christmas of, of your childhood. You I mean that, that magical feeling that you had a child uh, as a child. It's lovely to try to reconnect with that. It isn't always possible as an adult to reconnect with that. But I think if you're in the setting of a church and there's wonderful Christmas carols being sung and, you know, gorgeous sounds. There's nothing more special or magical than, than doing that in a church. Father Liam has got some local concerts coming up, so he's going to join us um, and talk about that, actually. When uh, when I mentioned earlier about, we spoke about this yesterday, people just not feeling Christmas this year. Uh, Lorraine, by in WhatsApp, says it's much too early for that Christmas feeling. Advent hasn't even been in a week in yet, uh, says uh, Lorraine. So maybe that's the reason people are not feeling, they're getting that Christmas feeling uh, yet. And it is Wednesday, so Peter Dowdle, not the best day for gardening but it is a day to find out all the information of what you need when you do get back out into the garden and if you're planning to do anything or you're going to get any work uh, done and planning for next year maybe in the garden if you have any questions like that I already see somebody has been on Mary has been on bright and early uh, with a question already for Peter thank you for that uh, Mary I will put that to Peter a little bit uh, later on so a lot to get through this morning as always your thoughts and comments welcomed uh, throughout the morning to us 1850 333 103 and you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and we had a call in this morning to say a purse was found at Mallow Hospital at the car park last night now it does contain bank cards so they know the name of the person they just don't know who the person is um, and they have whoever found the purse has handed it into reception so it's in Mallow Hospital Reception. If it is your purse, if you were visiting or attending the hospital at some stage yesterday and you have discovered that you lost your purse and wondering where is it. Um, and the reason we're trying to get the message out to somebody is the hospital is fearful that somebody in a blind panic this morning will realise they've lost their purse and they'll get onto the bank and they'll cancel all their cards and all the nightmare that goes with that because you've cancelled and then you're waiting for new cards to be reissued. So they'd love to get the purse back to the person before they cancel any of the bank cards. So do you know of anyone or did you hear of anyone talking about losing a purse yesterday and were they in the environs of Mallow Hospital? If so, that's where they actually lost the purse. It was found in the Mallow Hospital car park. As I say, looking after it at the Mallow General Hospital, just pop into reception. But somebody has contacted us and sent in a picture of a little stuffed animal. It's a monkey it was lost somewhere around Mallow Town yesterday. Desperately, the person desperately needs to find it for a little boy who's missing his, he's missing this little monkey uh, badly. And it's obviously it's some kind of a comforter uh, for the little child. And before somebody says, go out and buy another one, they've tried that, but it can't be replaced because it's no longer in stock. It's a little monkey head. And then it looks like the body is, is, is not padded. It's not padded like a teddy bear. You know, it's like one of those comforters that the child, it's almost like a little blanket the child can rub, can wrap the body part around their hand or rub it against their face. And it's black and white uh, stripes on the monkey's body and then two little legs and two little arms and a little monkey face on it. If anybody spotted that, uh, I'm assuming fell out of a pram or a buggy somewhere in Mallow Town yesterday, we will endeavour to put the picture up on our Facebook page because often if people see it because failing us not finding it somebody may have one that their child is no longer using and we can pass it on to this little boy who is very, very upset about his little monkey has gone missing and I hope he slept okay last night because some children get so attached at a very young age to these 
what in America they only call them a pacifier to you know a little teddy bear or a blanket is the famous one that children get attached to and any parent that's gone through that with a child trying to wean them off the particular comforter can really really be difficult you can have children who just won't sleep uh, because they've lost their blanket and parents will know the stress and the anxiety if you go somewhere did you bring Emily's blanket oh god no we forgot it or you know did you bring Harry's teddy bear oh no we forgot it or it's lost that's what's happened in this case as I say we'll try and post a photograph of it to see if we can get that reunited with that little boy thank you John has been on to tell us that bingo with the Adele Quinn Hall tonight is cancelled in the interest of safety to the patrons they will resume as normal next Wednesday but no bingo on tonight in the Adele Quinn Hall in Cantor and that's the first of the cancellations we've had in. Now I don't know if we're going to get many more cancellations or if people are going to wait and see because this status orange alert will be gone by 12 don't know. I know there's a lot of rain, I think, still forecast for this afternoon. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens there. So maybe people are going to hold off. But if people are deciding, like what the bingo have done in Cantor, they're sending it in nice and early and let people know and made the decision to cancel, let us know again and we can pass that on to people. 1850 We were talking yesterday about the Christmas spirit and the lack of the Christmas spirit and then that led to people talking about various traditions and are we losing a lot of our older traditions one of the ones was the lighting of the Christmas candle somebody was bemoaning the fact that they don't like to see houses with a candle in every window and people doing it in November the start of December that should be only done around the, for the 12 days of Christmas well a listener saw a sign in the window of present time gift shop in in Mallow. Anyone who shops regularly in Mallow will know this is a stunning shop where you can get, you know, beautiful present ideas. And it's a kind of a shop that for Christmas, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming they probably do the bulk of their trade in the lead up to Christmas. It would be a, a very, very busy shop at this time of year. A listener said, was out shopping, spotted this, took a photograph of the sign that's in the window of present time gift shop in uh, Mallow. And the listener says, what an admirable thing to do. Uh, to, to do. It'll bring this could it could be a good talking point for your listeners I'd be interested to hear what other listeners have to say and it might bring us back to the good old days when shops were closed on Sundays so this is what the notice in the windows the picture of Santa Claus and it says Sunday opening underneath and it says to honour Sunday as a day of rest and to allow our hard working staff to spend proper downtime with their families and loved ones we have decided not to open for any of the Sundays before Christmas this year. We believe that our loyal customers will endorse this decision and support our staff. We continue to welcome you into our store six days per week, Monday to Saturday inclusive, between 9.30am and 6pm. And we hope for your ongoing loyalty by shopping in Mallow this Christmas. That's a very brave and admirable thing to do isn't it because Sundays now have become very very busy shopping days Sundays I think now maybe some retailers listening listening to us will be able to tell us it certainly feels that Sunday shopping in the run up to Christmas is as busy as Saturday I mean if you head to the city or go to any of the large retail outlets the out of town shopping centres go on to any of the main streets of any of our main towns between on Saturday and Sunday between now and Christmas I mean all of the Sundays now is there three or four Sundays left four Sundays left between now and and, uh, Christmas 
uh, uh, to me, it feels they are as busy as the Saturdays will be. So that's very brave, I think, of a shop that traditionally it will be encouraging people in. I mean, it's the type of shop that will be full in the run up to Christmas because it's a gift shop. And to do that, to and to do that on behalf of their staff to say, well, look, the staff work hard the other six days of the week. They need their downtime as well and they need to spend time with their families. So well done, well done to uh, present time uh, in Mallow. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely shop and that's a really nice thing uh, to do. Don't know if many other shops will follow suit. It, I know and I'll probably hear from retailers say would love to do it but I can't afford to do it I need to make my money in the lead up to Christmas for the lean months that will be say January and February and for that reason we work flat out in the run up to Christmas but as the listener who sent it in to us makes the point would 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 people like to go back to that to the day do we remember Sundays when there was nothing open Sunday was a day of rest Sunday was a day that you spent with your family. You didn't, I mean, you didn't consider going shopping because there was nowhere open. And I don't know how long we've had the tradition now of Sunday openings. Is it the last 15, 20 years? Because all it took was one or two shops to open, to start and then more and more and more and more. And I know for certainly a lot of the county towns, they only open on Sundays in the run-up to Christmas. They wouldn't necessarily be open. A lot of the shops wouldn't be open all year round. City, I'm right in thinking, I think all oh, the shops open nearly every single Sunday for for the 52 weeks of the year. But that certainly wouldn't be the tradition in the county uh, towns. But certainly opening on a Sunday in the run up to Christmas has become a tradition. So how do people feel about that? Would they like to see other shops following suit? Or are you one of those people that work Monday to Friday, no chance to go shopping, and that Saturday and Sunday are your only two shopping days and that you do feel it's important for all shops and all facilities to be available to you on your days off. 1850-333-103. And just one final text in on Christmas and the traditions of Christmas. Says hi Patricia, Christmas traditions are long forgotten by most people. And some people never even knew them. Candles, for example. Candles lighting on every window in late November has nothing at all to do with Christmas. It's more to do with vanity and decorating the house, using Christmas as an excuse. What has happened to good, practical, well-balanced common sense? Christmas is about the birth of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be celebrating. That means going to confession and going to Mass. And lighting our candles starting on the first day of Christmas, which was Christmas Eve when I was a child, was done as a symbol of welcome to the baby Jesus, Mary and St. Joseph. The the, uh, symbol of it was there's room at the inn. That's what the lighting of the candle was. We've lost all of our traditions. This year's love Aiken Promotions presents David Gray. Live at the Marquee, July 7th. Tickets 49.05 go on sale this Thursday at 9am. Maybe subject to fees. In association with the Irish Independent and C103. 
Somebody has been on saying fair play to that shop, Patricia, present time in Mallow, who have made the decision on behalf of to allow their staff have some downtime and to have some quality time with their families in the run up to Christmas. They have made the very brave decision to close on Sundays and they're not going to open between now and Christmas on uh, Sundays. A listener says, well done. They absolutely deserve uh, a star. And someone else says more shops should follow suit. If shops weren't open, we wouldn't all be forced to go out shopping on uh, Sunday. Sunday. It has just become a habit because we know the shops are open. We should be spending more time with uh, our families. And Jane says, please, please, please remember us that work Monday to Friday. I never get a time to do, I never get time to do any shopping during the week. I have to organise all of my shopping, including my food shopping and anything else. And particularly with Christmas and small children, having to buy Christmas gifts Saturday and Sunday are the only days that I get to do it. You have to remember people who work Monday to Friday as well. I was expecting to get uh, a call like that as well for people who like the idea of working on Sunday, but everybody else doesn't. But I think it's just the fact that this has been done by present time in Mallow for the staff you know, to say they recognise that the staff work really hard and they recognise how busy the shop is in the run-up to Christmas that they feel, they just feel, look, give them Sunday, let them have downtime and let them have time themselves to organise, I suppose, uh, for Christmas uh, as well. Don't know of any other shop, by the way. Somebody says, is this the one, is this the only shop? It's the only shop that we've been alerted to. It was the listener saw the sign in the window of the shop and took the photograph of it. That's how we were uh, alerted to it. We seem to be finding lots of uh, lost and found items, in the city has been on to say Trish just to let you know I found a phone mobile phone on the ground at a bus stop in the city now I handed it to the driver of the bus it had a brown cover on it hopefully the owner has come back to came back to collect it but if they didn't it will be with the lost property department in the city in uh, bus Aaron. and by the way the phone I found it would have been somebody getting the 205 or the 208 bus so the 205 are the 208 bus. Did you lose a phone? Burr doesn't say when that actually happened. Um, but if you lost it or you know somebody lost it, if you can go to the lost, uh, the lost and found Department of Bus Aaron, 1850 Now, some local authorities across the country have been activated their severe weather teams as Storm Diana has hit the country. A period of disturbed weather is what's been predicted for the next couple of days. To find out more, I'm joined from Met Aaron by Joan Blackburn. Good morning to you, Joan. Good morning, everyone. Uh, you're welcome to the programme. Storm Diane, it's hit. Tell us what's happening and what we can expect in the next few hours. Um, well, Storm Diana actually is a storm. It's out in the Atlantic. It's running northwest to the west of Ireland. In fact, it just maybe people would be interested. It was named by the Portuguese Met Service because uh, the severe winds, first of all, hit the Azores area, which is their territory. So once they named it, we wouldn't uh, rename it. Uh, we would just adopt their name. Okay. Um, so it, it's not over Ireland. It's not going to cross Ireland. It's running up... Uh, just to the west of Ireland, but its broad swathe of strong winds are in over the country. And um, from yesterday, we had a, a yellow wind warning in operation for the whole country for most of today from 6 o'clock or from 4 o'clock uh, overnight to about 6 o'clock this evening. And then with an orange warning in operation for the coastal counties from Waterford, including Cork, obviously, around to, to uh, Galway for a period for a period within that section you know like for a year area it's really six up until um 
midday, maybe one, two o'clock. And then what will happen in the afternoon? Well, at the moment we have winds in the Cork area gusting up to uh, about 110, 115 kilometres per hour and uh, some very strong mean speeds as well. Uh, at the moment, through the morning, they were more or less southerly. They're going to veer southwesterly. And I think you'll see a gradual decrease in them during the course of the afternoon. Good. But they won't be really below the yellow wind level up until um, evening time. But um, they probably were at their worst this morning and maybe for the next hour or so. Yeah, somebody contacted us earlier from the Fastnet to say there was gusts of up to 118 uh, kilometres yeah. per hour reported our there. orange level, that, that would be uh, correct, okay. Our orange level winds uh, would run from 110 to 130 kilometres per right. hour. Keep so, away from the coastline is the that, advice, and isn't it? The other big thing about it is there's very high seas, as there normally is with uh, very strong winds, there's very high seas out there. So those those waves are, are coming in, pounding the shores. So yes, indeed, keep keep safe in coastal areas. And do we have a disturbed weather picture for the next five days? Yes, indeed, we do. Um, uh, in fact, there's another system running uh, in over parts of the south and east tonight, but the strong winds associated with that are actually to the east of it, so they should be more or less affecting the UK rather than us. But having said that, the system will bring some uh, very heavy rain um, up over parts of the south and east in particular and potentially strong winds to the east coast, but probably more likely out in the Irish Sea. Okay, and the question... Then it's it's showery uh, through the through the most of tomorrow and Friday with another band of rain coming in Friday night. So really, we are back into for the last week or so prior to yesterday or the day before. We had easterly winds and all our weather was coming from the east. Now we're back into the Atlantic situation with the jet stream over us and the systems are coming up in off the Atlantic, coming up bringing us strong winds at times, periods of heavy rain, periods of showers. But I mean, there's brighter periods as well. You know, that's all doom and doom. But and, the, and the other thing, Joan, is it's incredibly mild for this time of year, isn't it? Uh, today is really, really mild. And like temperatures at the moment are 12 to 14 degrees. Now, they're actually going to fall a little bit uh, as the afternoon goes on. And tomorrow will be mild as well, but it will be that bit cooler. And then it gets cooler for Friday or for later tomorrow and, and through Friday. But it's because our winds were coming up from the south and the rain system came up from the south. So that gave us that really mild, mild air. But that, that'll be... You know, it'll be getting that a little bit cooler, but not particularly cold as much. Okay. All right, Joan, listen, uh, thank you for that. And we appreciate it. I know how busy uh, you all are in that area on a day like today. But thank you for that. And thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Joan Blackburn from Met Aaron and uh, Storm Diana. We were trying to see that we have the Michael Jackson track Dirty Diana, but unfortunately we couldn't find it because I think it would be very appropriate for the day that did it. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven C103. Hi, Martina here. Join me every weekday from 4 to 7 for Drive Time, where I'll keep you up to date on all the latest traffic information. We'll spread some positivity with our feel-good story and song of the day. And of course, we'll be serving up a generous portion of Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Some traffic updates for you. There is a large tree down on the R6112. That's the Carrigal line to Myrtleville Road and the road is completely blocked. The Gardaí and the County Council are attending so avoid the Carrigal line to Myrtleville Road please. And there's also a tree down on the N71 Cork to Bandon Road. It's on the Inishannon side 
of the halfway roundabout. Now the road is partially blocked so there will be delays UK. if you can avoid it's probably uh, the best. That's the, uh, on the Inner Shannon side of the halfway uh, roundabout. Um, keep any other reports like that coming into us please 1850 Let me move to a different topic though because Bus Aaron has asked members of the Blarney McCroom Municipal District to remove four parking spaces in McCroom Town to facilitate their larger vehicles turning into the bus station. The request hasn't gone down well with some members and joining me to explain why, uh, local councillor Michael Creed. Good morning to you, Michael. Good morning, Patrick. Michael, you've described Bus Aaron's request as an absolute disgrace. Explain why. Well, I mean, I, I, mean, I have no problem with the request. The, the absolute disgrace is the way they have left the old Bus Aaron building in McCroom. That building is an absolute disgrace. The building is in a state of uh, disrepair and, uh, you know, it is a complete eyesore in the middle of the town of McCroom. And I think if Bus Aaron wants, if they're looking for four, the removal of four parking spaces, they have to play ball with the people of McCroom and, and do something with the, the bus station in McCroom. And have they been asked by the council to do something in the past? Well, my understanding from listening to a, a member of McCroom uh, Town Council, Ted Lucy, who, who's now a member of the Blarney McCroom uh, Municipal District, he says that the council, ha- the town council in McCroom, the previous town council, has had numerous requests and uh, requested numerous meetings with Buckhead as regards the state of the building in McCroom. And over the years, the state of the building has got progressively worse, and it is in a very, very bad state now. And is it also true there's a need for additional bus stops that they, bus Aaron haven't been, haven't been facilitating? I can tell you, if you were standing inside in that bus stop in, in, in below, below the bus station this morning, uh, you'd be as dry inside as, as what you would have been when you were out in all the heavy rain that was there this morning. Wow. I'd say about nine or ten, eight, seven or eight people are the most that can fit into that uh, bus stop. Uh, there's thousands of people passing through uh, the bus yard in McCroom every day with school children, with people getting on the buses from uh, going to um, Killa, the express bus from Cox to Killarney to Trilly. So, uh, you know, the facilities are absolutely appalling in McCroom as regards people travelling with bus airing. So now is your chance to use this, is it not, as leverage to, for, for the council to say, we'll give you the parking spaces, bus airing, but you need to play ball with us. Well, that's, what I, that's exactly what I said at the um, municipal, municipal district meeting last Friday. And to be fair, I was supported by the other five councillors. Uh, we have no problem giving uh, bus here uh, the parking spaces. The parking spaces are in front of um, where the, the, the library is on a temporary basis at the moment. Yeah. And it is understandable that bus here are uh, getting bigger buses and, uh, you know, uh, they need uh, more space to turn, turn into the, the station. Now, they have done some work there themselves as well, which is, which is grand. And... Uh, I, I hope they just do something with the building in McCroom. The building in McCroom is a listed building, so, you know, uh, but that can be delisted. Uh, but uh, uh, it is in such a bad state of repair now that uh, I don't think it's even feasible to do the building up, if I'm being brutally honest. It's in, it's in, it's in, it's a do you think it needs state. to be knocked? Well, it's definitely, if it's knocked, 
would definitely be better than the way it is at the moment. It is a complete eyesore. It is like a building site. It's, a, it's uh, surrounded by barriers that you see outside a building site. Uh, it's, it's a complete eyesore. There's antisocial behaviour going on inside there. People can go in there. There's no doors on the building. It's an old building. It was the old, where the old train station went to coming into McCroom in the 50s. It was in there, the train used pulled, but it has gone into disrepair over the last 30 years. Uh, the last people that had it going back about, I said, about 15 years ago, was uh, an old milling company that used to sell rationals there, but it's just, it's not it's not an eyesore for the town of McCombs. It's an eyesore. It's, 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 it's an eyesore. eyesore. Okay, so where, so where are you at now? You, I mean, I'm assuming the council, you'll look to meet with Boss Aaron, will you, to try to discuss the issues? Well, we, uh, we have met with Boss Aaron a um, couple of times. Uh, the regional manager of Boss Aaron has come to our meeting. Uh, while I'm in the Blarney McCroom uh, district, he has come to our meeting twice. Now, he's a... A decent man, to be fair to him, but, I mean, action speaks louder than words. Uh, they're saying there's an issue with finance, uh, you know, but um, we're saying, please, for the sake of the people of McCroom and the town of McCroom and the hinterland of McCroom, do, do something. something with the bus station. Because All right, we'll, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on this. What's it like in McCroom? Is there tricky driving conditions? Have you a lot of wind? Well, and Actually, I'm, I'm after leaving McCroom now, and I'm travelling out. I'm out in the middle of the countryside, and I'm talking to you. I don't know whether you can hear the wind or not. Uh, there has been a lot of power outages in McCroom this morning, uh, I, I drove from McCroom to Cantork. Uh, the roads weren't blocked, but there's a lot of heavy water on the road. You need definitely. to be careful. So you you need to be, be careful. careful right? Okay. Well, drive carefully yourself, Michael, and thank you for taking uh, time out to take our call this morning. We appreciate it. Good thank morning you, to you. Sir. That is uh, Councillor Michael Creed. And somebody on Twitter has uh, told us that traffic is at a standstill on the N22 near Lissarda on the Cork side. The Twitter believes a tree is down. 1850 We're going to take a break. We have news at 11. We'll update you on any other traffic issues that come into us uh, during news and in the next hour we're going to be looking at the National Patient Survey for 2018 and taking a look at how the five Cork hospitals did. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Quite a big reaction, I have to say, to Councillor Michael Creed, who joined us in the last uh, hour, talking about uh, Boss Aaron. Boss Aaron have contacted McCroom to say they want four, would it be okay to take four pay parking spaces because they need, it's bigger buses trying to swing in to the bus station. But that then led to a discussion at a meeting of the McCroom Municipal, Barney McCroom Municipal uh, District of council members who are a bit sick to the teeth of Boss Aaron not doing anything about the bus station that the picture Michael painted is almost a derelict and also the fact that the where people have to wait for the buses, the bus shelter is too small and I mean on a day like today people will be drowned wet waiting and the bus area need to do something for their customers. Teresa says um, whatever about the spaces, the bus depot in McCroom is a dangerous building and must be made safe at least and such an eyesore for regular travellers and what about visitors? What an eyesore is it for visitors? That's what they're met with on arrival in McCroom. Shame on bus Aaron, says uh, Teresa. Now the texter says, I agree with Councillor Michael Creed. That bus station is a disgrace. They could build a decent enclosed bus shelter there, put a cafe in, put a ticket office in. I lived in McCroom for, for four months last year so I know what I am talking about. John Paul then got a string of calls in from people 
including Tim and McCroom, to say the entrance to the bus station in McCroom is on the main road and the bus trying to get in and out. It's totally impassable impossible to let a bus in and out. Next to the bus station you have the entrance to the shopping centre road. Why will the council not consider knocking the wall that's the wall that divides between the bus station entrance and the shopping centre road then the bus drivers would have no problem swinging in. Maureen McCroom says the buses cannot get out of the bus station which holds up the bus as though and through nobody's fault. The traffic coming from the Cork side into McCroom is backed up so the bus cannot get out. It can't cross the road to move out of the bus station. Then at other times it literally is down to the goodwill of the drivers coming from the McCroom town side to stop and let the bus uh, out. That's what people are relying on. Julie in Ballymakira said they need to simply move the bus station. It's too tight where it is. So many areas of McCroom are now too small as you have a lot of tiny laneways and roadways. Why not relocate the bus station to a new site, perhaps one near the Mart area where you'd have a fine wide open space. Another suggestion from Julie. What's happening at the old Lidl building? Could it not be placed there? It will be a wide open space. Demolish the existing site and put houses or something else in uh, there. So people in McCroom certainly not happy with the current condition of their bus station but also not very happy about their bus uh, shelter. And I've seen a text in from Buttevant from Mary saying when are we in Buttevant going to get a bus shelter? It is badly needed. Flower pots have taken over the footpaths in Buttevant at the moment. Now says Mary I do like flowers but was an awful lot of money uh, to spend on it. They should have been looking at and doing something with a bus shelter. Mick is in Bottevant. I think he's going to agree with Mary. Uh, good morning to you, Mick. Good morning, Patricia. Now, it's, I'm very well. It's a wet, miserable morning for anybody standing waiting for a bus. Describe the scene, what people in Bottevant would have to have, would be doing on a, a morning like today. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's worse now this morning, you know, the wind blowing, the rain, and they've nowhere to go before... It was done by the paper shop down in the middle of the town. Yeah. And they said, the excuse, I think I've done to you before about that, and the excuse they gave, there was no permanent uh, bus stop in Bottomant. There was for over 40 years there, uh, the, the paper shop. Uh, but now they moved up near the convent where there was plenty of room for a shelter. Mm. And there was there's none, whatever there, you know, it's near the convent. And, you know, we, before we had the, the widest street in, 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 in Ireland, I say. Now it was the narrowest, but we had the widest footpaths. Yeah, you've got, the, you know, I mean, Mary's right. They're, they're lovely wide footpaths and yeah. they've got those, they have lovely flower planter pots. They're all putting down those floors, you know, and yeah. uh, the seats as well. But, you know, the, so there is room for a shelter. Oh, there is plenty of room there, yeah. And uh, we'll get on to bus Aaron and just uh, see because it was I do remember it was a number of years ago it was before the roadworks was, was, was done well, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get on to them now you know I know McCroom have been fighting with them and, and they yeah. anytime the councillors in McCroom have been trying to get something done they'll come back and say it's to do with funding so they'll probably come back and say the same thing but listen we'll give it a shot so You've been doing better here you haven't been in Charleville you've been yeah. everywhere but I don't know Bordeaux and seem to be forgotten about you know and and what I'm, uh, I was in Mallow the other day, and you know, down the bottom of the town there, it took me half an hour to get from O'Brien Street to the bottom. When are they going to change that? What they've done there, you know, you can't turn it out the far. Yeah, well, that's yeah. It's ridiculous, no? And why the, you're, putting up with it? the plaza. You're talking about the lovely, uh, yeah, so, the wonderful plaza that used well, to. There used to be two lanes of traffic. Anyway, but, you know. Yeah, there used to be two lanes of traffic, and then they, it's, it's, well, the plaza was built. Yeah. 
<laughs> it was the last act of the Mallowtown Council. It was a gift from Mallowtown Council to the people of Mallow. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> okay, say no more. I know you're about to say something. Say no more. Okay, listen, Mick, thank you for that. And we will we will get an email off to Bus Aaron oh. just to remind them of the good people of Buttevant and how you're standing out in the rain with no bus shelter. I know you're terrible, don't you? All right. God bless. Yeah. Mind yourself. Thanks, Thanks for, for that. Bye bye. 1850 Candle and Log. Remember yesterday we had somebody wanting to buy the old fashioned traditional piece of wood, the log, with the lovely candle in it, made up for Christmas and did anybody know what they were on sale? And actually, we, we, I was surprised to see a number of places uh, were, not, and a number of people suggested various places where you could buy them. And the main, I think the main bulk of the suggestions came in was to go to a local craft fair. Anywhere where there's a Christmas craft fair on and there's many, many brilliant Christmas craft fairs on between now and Christmas. They're all used as various fundraisers and uh, I think everybody was saying that every craft fair they've been at in the past those Christmas logs are always on uh, sale. Well, we've got a call in this morning to say that Kilbrin National School are holding a fundraiser for the school. It is the Kilbrin National School Christmas Market and it's going to go ahead in the school on the 20th of December, which I imagine is the day that the children break up for their Christmas holidays, isn't it? Isn't that the Friday, the 20th of December? It'll be on that evening between 7 and 9pm and at their Christmas market this year, they are going to to be selling those logs and candles. They'll be selling lots of other Christmas items as well, including lovely handmade Christmas uh, wreaths. And the children of the school are making them at the moment. So there's something really nice about that, isn't there? There's something really nice about that. So if you're in the Kilbrin area and you're looking for one of those logs with the candle, or you might like a, a fresh Christmas wreath, then head off to their Christmas market at the school December the 20th. Anna in Drumtower says, I don't understand why people are saying there isn't a feeling of Christmas. It's November, after all, says Anna. We haven't started Advent yet. So why are people talking about Christmas? Christmas is something that is inside all of us. You prepare for Christmas. You prepare with Advent. You're talking about shops closing and opening. That is their own commercial business. That is their reason. That is their reason. Uh, Christmas is not all about chops. In November, we have, we've been fundraising for Cork Penny Dinners. Well done. And we are saying prayers across November for the dead. But this talk of Christmas is pure commercial. And we, the people, have had enough. We don't want to be hearing about it, says uh, Anna in Drum Tower. Thank you for that, Anna. On the, what I mentioned in the last hour about present time, the, that shop in Mallow that has decided not to open. They put a sign up in the window saying they're not going to be open for the Sundays in the lead up to Christmas because they're thinking of their staff and they want to give their staff downtime and family time. So they have made the commercial decision not to open on uh, Sundays. Noreen says, I was in present time shop earlier this week. What I like about it is that the staff let you browse. I asked, for example, about an item or what I was querying the price on it. They told me. Now, I didn't buy it there and then. But, says Noreen, they were as nice as if I had made the purchase. I will go back. I am planning on buying it, but you just need to check your budget first. <laughs> I just wanted to double check the price and all of that, but they couldn't have been more helpful and more friendly. Uh, thank you for that. Liz says, well done to that shop present time in Mallow are closing on Sundays. We all need family time and there are six other days in the week to shop. It will make Sundays more special 
if every single shop closed. As you get older, you appreciate the time you spend with with your family. We should all support these local shops who make time for uh, families, says Liz. Thank you for that, uh, Liz. Lots of, loads of Christmas logs in Birmingham's gift shop in Formoy, says a texter. It's a Christmas winter wonderland and it is well worth a visit. You definitely get the Christmas atmosphere if you pop in there, says a texter. Someone else says, well done to present time in Mallow. All people deserve time off around Christmas. When my kids were small and I used to work Monday to Friday at the time, I used to take one day's holiday to get myself organised for Christmas. And then you do have Saturdays and don't forget there's also late night shopping. Cheers and happy Christmas to all at C103. Um, thank you for that. And actually um, that's my first I think Christmas greeting by text and today God, we got our first Christmas cards into the programme and, and a beautiful card from the Donkey Sanctuary with the most gorgeous photograph uh, this isn't a Christmas scene now it's a, it's like a summer's scene they're all shading in under a tree it must have been a, a nice fine summer's day it's a beautiful beautiful um, picture of them and just hi to Ashleen Sullivan who's the PR officer and everybody at the Donkey Sanctuary who do the most amazing work and thank you to Anthony Pickford in Limerick who never forgets us at uh, Christmas thank you uh, for that Anthony somebody else says Patricia when you play the 12 Days of Christmas by Frank Kelly that always gets me uh, into the mood and the feeling of Christmas says Mag so I certainly won't be playing that until close to the time but it is one of those songs that I have to say that gets always you know that, that last week in the lead up to Christmas when we let people dictate if there's a particular song that they want played uh, from our vast collection of Christmas CDs and we try and go with songs that you don't traditionally hear or that you certainly won't hear every day you know kind of a move away from the Mariah Careys and all Cliff Richards and the Michael Bublis and we try and do sort of songs that just don't get as much an airing at Christmas as say The Wonderful Fairy Tale in New York and that one by Frank Kelly in The Twelve Days of Christmas it makes me laugh every single year when I play it I, you know and, or if I hear it on the radio it's one of those songs that makes me smile and the other one I love and it will be very relevant this year with the, a lot of commemorations beginning on for the end of the First World War is the one of um, uh, Christmas 1914 even though I think it's called Christmas 1915 but history says that that particular football match that happened out on the Western Front between the forces between the poor soldiers um, from the United Kingdom and the soldiers from Germany who met in the middle and they had a truce kind of a truce themselves that the soldiers uh, decided it actually happened the first Christmas which would have been 1914 but the song says 1915 oh, I'm getting really pedantic on that one but that's a gorgeous song That that is a gorgeous song we normally play there's a couple there's a number of different versions of it I love the Tommy Fleming version of of that I wonder because I know we were only talking to Tommy this week as he's playing in Charleville on uh, Saturday night I don't know if it, well, we will be into December I don't know if he's going to include some Christmas songs or not in his concert uh, he may do but that's one that I always get feel there's that wonderful feeling of, of Christmas about that as well and thank you to Burn the City who is back on to us about the phone that she found yesterday this was the phone in a brown cover it was somebody getting on or off the 205 or 208 bus in the city centre and it was yesterday 
that she found it about one o'clock because she didn't put it on the original text. So about one o'clock yesterday, if you heard of somebody losing a phone and they were either on the 205 or 208 or 8, then it has been looked after the lost property department of Bus Erin. C103 Jobs. Now, there are various CE schemes available in Blarney, Whitechurch and Carrick-Navar for a kitchen assistant, an environmental worker, a caretaker and an administrator. While a H. GV truck driver is wanted for delivering fuel to customers in and around the Bandon area and a mobile security driver operating from Mallow throughout the North Cork area doing security patrols and responding to alarm activations uh, wanted. You can find all the details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This week, the Minister for Health, Simon Harris, uh, launched the results of the 2018 National Patient Experience Survey. To discuss the results of the five Cork hospitals, I'm joined by Tracy O'Connell, who is Senior Project Manager with uh, HICWA. Good morning to you, Tracy. Good morning, Patricia. And, Thank and you for having me on this morning. Uh, well, you're very welcome. I suppose let's start by reminding this listeners what the patient survey is all about and how it was conducted. Absolutely. So the National Patient Experience Survey is the largest national health survey in Ireland. So it's run across 40 public acute hospitals in Ireland and over 27,000 people that were discharged in May and were 16 years and above were invited to participate in the survey. And 50% of those 27,000 responded, telling us about their experience across the continuum of care. So the admissions, the care in the ward, they told us about their examination, diagnosis and treatment, the discharge and transfer and their overall experience. Okay, It's hard to get people to fill in uh, surveys. So 50%, is, that's good, isn't it? It's extremely good um, compared with our international colleagues. We've, um, and it just shows how much patients you know, value their hospitals and how much they want to feedback to their hospitals about their experience and then the hospitals can take that information and use it to inform their quality improvements. Yeah, because I remember back in at the end of May into June we were encouraging listeners if you'd been in hospital and you get invited to do the survey uh, please do because it's the only way hospitals will learn and will, and, will, and will improve and it's also good you know, let's applaud them when they're doing well. Absolutely, and absolutely, and there were some great um, areas of good experience. For example, in Cork University Hospital, they spoke about respect and dignity, and that um, they had the confidence and trust in the hospital staff, and that they had someone to talk to about their worries and fears. And all of that is hugely important. But it's also really important for the staff to hear that that it's you know seen, acknowledged, and appreciated by their patients. Okay, let's look at the five Cork hospital scenes. You've mentioned Cork University Hospital. Let's start with them. I mean, their positive experiences. It's slightly up on the 2017. Absolutely. It's 85% of their respondents. So 1,700 patients were invited um, on behalf of Cork University Hospital to participate in the survey and over half of those responded. And those that ha- of the half, 85% said that they had a good or very good experience. And that's keeping in line with what's happening nationally. And it is an improvement um, on last year. Cork University Hospital has improved. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, 
things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Moved in every area um, apart from admissions, which went slightly down on last year. Yeah, and no real surprise to hear about the emergency department because we are forever hearing either through the INMO and the trolley watch, the number of people on uh, trolleys and and waiting and um, fewer patients than average felt they were treated with respect in the emergency departments. Um, Yes, they did. Um, And the huge problem is kind of the, uh, has been acknowledged by patients, that it's kind of the physical environment within hospitals um, can be challenging. And therefore, you know, it's hard to speak, like they have come back saying it's very hard to have a conversation with a doctor in private without, you know, everybody around hearing what that conversation is about and hearing about their diagnosis and their treatment. Um, so that's, that's kind of common yeah. across all hospitals though, it isn't is, it, unfortunately? It is, absolutely and um, as a result of that um, like communication in general is kind of an issue across hospitals as well um, and the HSC are rolling out a communications plan um, that they piloted this year to help people to um, speak, um, to clearly communicate with their patients but also to keep in mind about the environment around them and that the other people could be hearing, you know, that they wouldn't like, that the patients don't want to hear about their um, personal details. Okay, let's look at um, Bantry Hospital because uh, both Bantry and we'll look at Mallow General Hospital in a moment. People in the county feel very passionately uh, um, and have a great belief in their smaller hospitals. So I'm interested to hear about uh, Bantry Hospital. What what do people have to say about that? Well, in Bantry, they, again, um, 85% said that they had a good or very good experience. They said that they got clear answers from a nurse, they had the opportunity to talk to a nurse, and that they had the confidence and trust in hospital staff. So that's phenomenal, and it's a phenomenal accolade to the staff um, within Bantry. And what they would like is all around communication. They would like clearer explanations of the purpose of the medication, someone to talk to about their worries and fears and clear explanation of the risks and the best benefits of treatment. Um, so that's all um, just about training in terms of communication with patients and there's a plan in place to um, improve upon that across all the hospitals as I mentioned. Yeah, because one of the improvements was the, a number of patients said that they were not always given emotional uh, support when it was needed. Is that just down to staff being very busy? Um, yes, it is. It's very much down to time. And um, from what the patients tell us, you know, the staff obviously are extremely busy. And, you know, nationally and 
nearly for every hospital, every, like the staff get huge compliments in those last three questions where patients can tell us what they think and, and what was good and what could be improved. The staff always come back um, hugely, you know, with a huge positive commentary. But what it is that can be improved is kind of the time that they can give patients. And we, you know, as we all know, they're under huge pressure. Yeah, so there's yeah. The issues. yeah. And while people in West Cork love and appreciate Bantry General Hospital, the very same can be said about North Cork for Mallow General Hospital. They were higher than the national average on positive experience. That's good news for Mallow Hospital. Oh, Mallow did phenomenally well. Um, 96% of their respondents and they got the highest number of respondents at 55 apart from South Infirmary. Um, uh, 55% responded and 96% said that they had a very good, a good experience. Um, they had the confidence and trust in their hospital staff. They got clear explanations of the risks and the benefits of the treatment. And they had the information on the expected outcome of their operation or procedure. So that was phenomenal and well done, Mallow. Yeah. The one bit of improvement was some patients said they weren't told about danger signals to watch out for after they went home. Yes. And that, again, is a national area that's been found. This is the first survey and uh, national survey that um, survey asked people after they leave hospital about their experience and this is because of the halo effect so what happens is if you're asked in hospital of course you're in a vulnerable position and you might say everything is great so we wait till um, patients leave hospital and two weeks later we send them out to survey asking them about their experience so because this is the first time that this happened last year in 2017 it's the first time we're hearing about the, what's happening around discharge so nationally that is the weakest area and within each hospital and they are working towards improving on that because now, as as you said, every the patients, the hospitals know about their patients' experience and that they like to know more about discharge and planning. They want to know when they're going to be discharged, what they need to have in place when they're discharged, and what about the medications and what are the side effects of those medications that they need to anticipate. Okay, then the Mercy University Hospital, several areas, uh, good experience identified by patients. Yeah, so again, the Mercy Hospital did very well. It had 85% of their patients had a good or very good experience. And the areas that they found were very good were around respect and dignity, that they had confidence and trust in the hospital staff, and they had information on how to manage their conditions. So all very, very good. Um, again, the areas that need to be improved were a little bit around communication, that they'd like clearer answers from a nurse. Um, and help from staff and this is this is something I mentioned earlier. This is more to do as well with the medical, like doctors and nurses um, speaking in layman's terms. I think sometimes they forget when they're speaking to to people not to be using such a lot of the medical lingo. Exactly, that's it. Just clear explanations: what it is um, you're taking, why you're taking it, what they can expect from a kind of treatment point of view. What are the side effects? When will they be going home? Clear, plain, and English and Their quality improvement plans are up on our website, www.patientexperience.ie, and you'll see there exactly what each of the hospitals are planning to do around this. But a lot of hospitals are putting up... um, questions that patients can learn to encourage patients to ask the, their medical team you know how long will I be here what am I here for you know what, what's the plan going forward Okay and then the final one is the South Infirmary Victoria University a hospital again above the national average on positive experience Well above the national average at 94% um, so well done to South Infirmary and I should point out that it one it, Patients in general and nationally have a better experience if they don't have to go through an emergency department. So in South Infirmary, they wouldn't have had to go through an emergency department necessarily. But they did extremely well at 94%. 
Um, and the areas of good experience were around respect and dignity, and they had help from staff to get to the bathroom, and they had consideration of the home and family situation. And you can see there that um, South Infirmary are one of the hospitals that are well ahead of the national in that they are considering the home family situation when yeah. patients are being discharged. Which is so important. But yeah. some patients said they weren't offered a choice of food. You'll often hear people complain about food yeah. in, a, in our hospitals. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, there is a plan in place around that. Um, there is a national uh, food policy being rolled out. And then to give patients more of a choice of food, and hot tea came across hugely in all the responses that they were patients weren't getting hot tea. So there is a plan in place again and uh, to just bring hot water to bedsides and let people make their own tea in kind of weaker or stronger, whatever way they like it. But just as because we all love a cup of tea. There's when we're not nothing well. <laughs> there's nothing <laughs> yeah. like it and there's and there's nothing worse than if it's just milky warm. It's just yeah. not hot. It has to be yeah. hot. So so overall, um Tracy, once admitted to a ward, most people spoke very positively didn't they about their hospital stay when, when you get in there we seem to do it right absolutely it's the it's the getting in and the getting out it seems to be the kind of the bottlenecks but once you're in there people have phenomenal experience and they're so appreciated appreciative to the staff um, and they do have challenges I suppose as I said it's mainly around the facilities or the physical environment and food and nutrition and there are plans in place for the food and nutrition and you'd probably have to speak to the likes of Tony McNamara the general manager of Cork University Hospital about what the plans are in place um, for the uh, for the rest Okay so you'll do it again next year? We're going to do it every year and okay. we're actually expanding and we're hoping to roll out into the maternity sector as wow, well Wow that'll yeah. be okay and once again we'll be encouraging people next year if you do unfortunately have a hospital stay make sure you fill in the survey Tracy Absolutely. listen thank you for that it makes a really thank interesting you, reason and as people you say you people can go online to see more Absolutely that, Thank you, and thanks to everybody for taking part. Okay, thanks a million. Bye-bye. That is Tracy O'Connell, who is a Senior Project Manager uh, with HICWA, and it is up on their website if you want to see the results of the 2018 National Patient uh, Experience. And if you were in hospital during the year, it certainly makes uh, for interesting reading. But I, thankfully, wasn't in hospital during the year, but I went through the report uh, yesterday, and it it really is. It's it's a good read. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now we've been discussing over the last couple of days how some people are not feeling the Christmas spirit this year and I always say if you want to get into that real spirit of Christmas then if you go to a local choral or concert at your nearest church well people in Lep are truly blessed this year because Father Liam Lawton will be performing at St Mary's Church next Sunday it's a fundraiser for the Roof Replacement Fund and Father Liam Lawton has taken time out uh, to uh, join us Uh, Good morning to you Father Liam Hi, Patricia. How are you? Good uh, morning to all your listeners. You, I just hope there, I listened to the, your, your, your comment there, I hope that the roof will be still intact <laughs> after the storm. Honest to God, yeah. There, I mean, it's really I'm, bad up here as well. I'm in Carlo now and, and I'm talking on a mobile phone because all our power is out. Yeah, it's it's been well. We we, we just had Joan um, Blackburn on from it here, and, and we're hoping by about the next hour or two, uh, it should the winds should have eased off, and we should be getting back to some kind of normality. So fingers yeah, crossed. Yeah. Uh, fingers it's crossed. Back here we will. All day now. Sincerely, early, but 
six o'clock this morning, you know. Yeah, and a storm, it's a storm Diana. And it isn't even over the country. We're only getting a side sweep of storm Diana. You can imagine what storm Diana is doing. Luckily, she's out at sea. Anyway, let's get back to talking about your concerts because the concert in Lep, you also are singing in a concert in St. Finbar's the following that's week. That's right, that's Thur- the, sixth, that's the Thursday, Thursday week. Yeah. Just to give that a mention as well. Do you love Christmas? Um, well, I like the actual... I like the, the the days coming into it, all right, you know. By the time I get to Christmas Day, I'm usually exhausted. I usually get home. I'm, my parents live in, in, in Edenderry, up in County Offaly, and I get home on Christmas afternoon, and usually by the time dinner comes, I'm so exhausted, I just sleep, you know. <laughs> but I think there's something nice about the preparation of Christmas. And I, I mean, I love, even if I wasn't taking part in concerts myself, I would go to one just to be present. You know, I just I, yeah. I listen to Christmas music. I always love Christmas music up to about two days after Christmas, and then I just switch off. That's but, enough. But, you've you you you've yeah, had enough. Yeah, I've enough of it. And I said in carols, and I, I, I suppose because you sing a lot of carols uh, coming up to it, you know. But it's um, a lovely time, and it's nice when families get together as well. But there's something magical about the setting of a church for a concert. Well, I think you're right, and I think if if you have the right ingredients of of light or candlelight and the carols, and you know, I think it can be really, really beautiful. And also, I think you're dead right what you say at the start there. It allows us maybe to just come away from everything and just be calm and just, to, you know, to, to to reflect for a while and just have a bit of time for ourselves as well. Yeah, because you, you know? get so wrapped up in all the busyness and everything else that's going on. Yeah, it's just yeah, and I also think that, I mean, I, I'm sure you'd agree with me that, you know, there are certain songs as well that evoke a lot of memories for people, you know, that probably we don't read, that are not uh, awoken only on this time of the year, you know. Well, Away, I mean, in, away in a Manger will be, bring me back to the little girl I was at seven. Really? And it yeah, does it every, it, no matter where I hear it, no matter what, if I'm in a church, it'll actually make me emotional. But yeah. on, on any of my CDs that I have when it comes on, I just get transported back. There's just something magical. So, yeah, I absolutely 100% agree with you, you about should, it. If you get a chance, you should Google the Mormon tabel, Tabernacle Choir singing away in a manger. Okay, I was making up that. The, the Mormon really, Tabernacle Choir. Okay. Choir, yeah. Okay. Oh. yeah by Mark Wahlberg, I think is the name of the guy who arranged it. But it's just stunning. stunning. So, I, I only listened to it a few days ago. So how busy are you in this run? I mean, are you jam-packed um, with concerts? No, because I'm trying to get... I've, I'm a, I have a new collection coming out um, probably at the end of January and I'm trying to get it finished. So because of that, we didn't know how much you know, time we would have. So I'm doing a series, I, I'm, I'm doing a small series of concerts and I'm guesting in a few for ch- of charity events. I like to do those anyway, you know. So at least when you're only guesting, you don't have the whole production behind you and that you don't have to worry about that, you know. So but what can people expect next Sunday then in Lep? Well, it, all the Christmas favourites. Okay. And actually I have a girl coming with me. She's, she's living in London now and um, her name is Ethan Muskelly. And uh, she is an up-and-coming opera singer, but she's a beautiful voice. And uh, she's coming over to guest with me on the, the series of concerts as well. So it's all the Christmas favourites, and, and we we love to hear people singing as well. Okay, sing along. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's not often we get an opportunity to sing some of our favourite Christmas carols as well, you know. And plus the fact as well that I've got great musicians with me, and 
you know, and, and I'm a great lighting designer as well. So it'll be nice, a nice time out, as you say, yeah. for Christmas. Okay, and it's, and it's a great look it is, it is. It's, it's, it's putting a roof on the church, which unfortunately is badly yeah. needed. Looking back on, as we're coming to the close of the year, uh, Liam, looking back on the on, on the year and, and your highlights, singing for the Pope of the Papal Mass? Yeah, that was one of the highlights. Um, certainly was, yes. Not, <laughs> I'll never get an opportunity like that again. Yeah, I mean, I, it was, it was, a, it was stressful, but it was a highlight. Because um, you wrote a piece for it, didn't you? you yeah, wrote the, yeah. I wrote, yeah, I had to write in that. I think one of the highlights for me was also going to the first rehearsal and hearing the choir. There was about three thousand in the choir. We had a rehearsal in the RDS um, in Sims Court, and to hear everybody singing it there back was just beautiful, you know. Because in the day itself, the place was so vast. It was, it was, and the weather wasn't great, but uh, the day we had the rehearsal was beautiful to hear it, you know. Yeah, because obviously when you write your pieces and, and the fact that you're going to be performing it at the Papal Mass in the Phoenix Park, in front of the Pope, there's got to be nerves. There's got to be, God, is this going to be good enough? Is this going to work? Well, yeah, you, you, that was uh, when I wrote it first. That's my, my thought. Will this be good enough? And will it pass and everything? On the day itself, yeah, I mean, I was very anxious because at the day before we had a rehearsal, and um, I couldn't hear anything. The mu- all the music was behind me. <laughs> and it was, it was very difficult. But they gave me a little in-ear then, and then I heard something. But it went fine, and, you know, <clears throat> it was good. I suppose you don't think about much about, too much about the fact that how many people are there and all of that. You just want to get it done and, and make sure that it's done properly. But it was a great honour to do it, and I, I, I certainly wouldn't take it for granted. And did you get to, to, to meet with Pope Francis? No, I no, didn't, no. Actually, no. There was a whole queue of people, and I felt, well, like a lot of them more deserving than I. I had a chance to sing, and you know. Yeah, that was a special moment. Is that your? Yeah, that, yeah, have you sung? Was. Have you performed for a pope before? I, I sang for this pope in Sweden two years ago, and um, I was invited out. And now this is in, in an indoor arena. It was for the 500th anniversary of the the uh, the death of Martin Luther. So they invited me out to, to write a piece and sing for him, which I did, which was fantastic. Because it was in an, an indoor stadium, and the stadium was only two years old, which had been, been built, I think it was 2011, for the Eurovision. So it was fantastic. Wow. It was just, That's know, a lo- wonderful experience. Yeah, that was a lovely experience, and it was nice because it was indoors as well, so we didn't have all the, you know, the weather to, to, to cope with. But it was very, very nice. It was oh, a nice experience. OK, I can see a lot of texts coming in saying, love, Father Liam Lawton, looking forward to the concert. Well, I'm uh, looking forward to going back to Cork. I feel that I've brought blood in my veins. <laughs> and somebody asking, and maybe they missed the beginning, is there a new album on the horizon? There is. Yes. End of yes. End of January, you reckon? Yes. OK. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will look forward to that. OK, we leave it there, Father Liam. Certainly, I certainly will be sending you one. Okay, thank you very much. We will look no, forward no, to it. God bless. Happy Christmas to you, Patricia, and to all your listeners. And, and many happy returns. Thank you. Thanks Take a million. Bye bye. That is uh, Father Liam Lawton. Just once again to give you the, the dates, he's playing in St. Mary's Church in Lep. That's next Sunday, uh, December the uh, 2nd. Tickets are on sale uh, locally. And please, it is a big fundraiser. It is. Um, the condition of the roof in St Mary's Church has in Lepus unfortunately deteriorated over the last a few years. It's now necessary that they they now have to replace it. And it's this is the first fundraising effort. Hundred 
to 150,000 they reckon it's going to cost. So this concert is the first of many fundraisers we're going to be hearing on behalf of St Mary's uh, Parish Church in uh, Lep. But you'll have a wonderful, wonderful night out uh, with uh, Father Liam Lawton. And then St Finbar's uh, Church in the City the following Thursday, the 6th of uh, December. It's an evening of seasonal music and a song in the company of uh, Father Liam. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, she just on the trees coming down, a couple of people are pointing out... Uh, let me find these on, on uh, what, a couple have come in together actually on, on WhatsApp and, and uh, their similar thoughts uh, so let's start with Mary she was first in with this says Patricia we say it every time there's a storm the trees growing on the ditches along the roads should be removed by law it's mostly farmers are to blame a law should be enforced to remove trees from the roads are they waiting for a more serious accident to happen we are getting a lot more of these bad storms so there are so the trees are now becoming more dangerous and they're beginning to uproot, says Mary. And that is the big problem. Thank you for that, Mary. And Heidi, who regularly texts us on the very same issue, saying why when we're into the spring and the summertime and we don't have these bad weathers, why are we not looking at trees and electricity poles? And and, and what happens is that when we get very severe weather uh, like, like we're having today, now while we're calling out trees that are down, there will be other trees as Mary said, well, they may not come down in this the storm Diana, but the next storm, if you've weakened the roots, will it be the next storm or the storm after? And, you know, now I know a lot of landowners and, and I'm sure the council as well will go out after a storm like this and they take a look to see trees that have been uh, damaged and possibly will come down in the next storm. And, 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 I, and I know they do the, they do that type of work following a storm, but is enough been done? I suppose that's what people are, are saying by uh, text this morning. 1850 And thank you, ladies, for your uh, texts. Mary was on to say, Patricia, the older students in Nagel Rice Secondary School in Donnerill do a good deed every Christmas. They call to the older people in the town of Donnerill. They will deliver a wooden log that you've been talking about with a candle in it and they also bring with them a bale of briquettes to each person that they visit. They then sit and chat with the person and both end up enjoying the experience. I hope that tradition continues. Uh, kind regards, says Mary. Isn't that lovely? Well done to the pupils of Nagel Rice Secondary School. Now, so the older students, I don't, is it just the transition year students? Is it the fifth and the sixth year? year? But that is lovely. I don't know if other schools do that as well. But that going out and just, I mean, the idea of being a bale of briquettes and the Christmas log, I think, is, is lovely in itself. But of all of that, the best thing that's happening out of do, of the school doing that is sitting and talking with the older person and I bet you if you spoke to any of the older people that's what they'll remember the most it's not the gift that the young people bring but it's the fact that they they took time and they spent time with them I know alone are doing a big campaign I know they're more Dublin based uh, charity but they speak about you know isolation and people can be in the middle of a city and be very lonely and very isolated and they have a big campaign this Christmas alone they, uh, about doing that about just sitting and spending time you know and time it costs nothing you don't have to buy a big elaborate and expensive present all you have to do is spend time with uh, you know a loved one or with maybe a neighbour or you know an elderly relative somebody maybe you haven't called to in quite some time maybe that's something we should all we should take up that good 
advice and suggestion from the students of Nagel Rice Secondary School in their good deed for Christmas. Do other schools do that? Have other people heard of that? It's, it really is lovely. And just on the Christmas candles in the logs, uh, Phyllis says, KCK in Dumanway, they have those candles in logs. Uh, they will have anything Christmassy that you need, says uh, Philip. I think, um, Phyllis, thanks, Philip. I think every single part of the county has got mentioned <laughs> with those logs. And here we had somebody yesterday thought that they were gone, thought they couldn't be got anymore. Well, certainly, I don't think there's been a town in the county that we didn't get some kind of a call in to say that there's one nearby or locally. But the Christmas Craft Fair definitely seems to be the way to go. And of course, by going to the Christmas Craft Fair and supporting them, usually there's a charity aspect. They're usually staged for, for charity or to raise some money for some local fundraiser. But also you'll have all the little artisan producers working in those little Christmas craft fairs and Christmas markets and farmers markets. And that's just putting money into the locality. That's the best kind of local shopping that you can actually do. Now, while we've already were talking about Christmas and the spirit of Christmas and, and all that, I'm also very aware that Christmas can be a very sad time as well for a lot of people. And it can bring back sad memories to people if they had a particularly tri- tricky or difficult Christmas. And Helen, I think, sums it up well in her text. Since Patricia, I would not like to go through Christmas of years ago. Well, one Christmas in particular. I spent that Christmas in Bedsborough, the mother and baby home. I went there just a week before Christmas. Would you believe it was my first time ever going to the city? And it was into Bedsborough, mother and baby home that I went. There was all high singing at midnight mass and my memory of it was all of the expectant mothers with tears running down their faces. At home, there was no room at the inn for me that year. My mother, I also remember, wrote me dreadful letters uh, about saying what a bad time the family were having all because I was pregnant and having a baby out of wedlock, says Helen on a Christmas she never wants to forget um, uh, again. Yeah, and at the end of your your period of time pregnant, Helen, what happened? A beautiful baby was born. That's all it was. They were very dark times and and un- unfortunately and thankfully um, they're behind us. They are well, well behind us uh, now but I can still feel and sense the pain and, the, and you probably remember that Christmas and hopefully it was just one bad Christmas when you look back on all the other lovely Christmases that you had before that and that hopefully you've had since and that I really hope everything worked out for you and for your little baby but that's that's all it was and you know when when girls were shunned and put into mother and baby homes and the shame that brought on the family and, and all of that what was it at the end a little baby was born that's all it was that's all it was thank you for your text and I'm kind of I really do hope you have a very happy and a peaceful Christmas uh, this year. We were talking about stays in hospital and in particular we were focusing on the five Cork hospitals and I always like to see Mallow and Bantry do well in any of these surveys because we know, those of us that live in the county know how important Mallow and Bantry hospitals are uh, to us. Texter says, hi Patricia, how are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. I was a patient in Bantry Hospital earlier this year. The care was fantastic and the food was great. And by the way, we had lots of choices. But as you said, the tea was poor, all right. But overall, very grateful to all of the staff uh, who were excellent. Isn't it funny that I think in all of the hospitals all over the cute hospital all over the country, the tea was the one. It's just never hot enough. And actually, I had a cup of hospital tea only the other day when I was up at uh, CUH on uh, Sunday and I just happened to be there at the end of, of lunch and the tea was been uh, passed around and I got offered a cup of tea and, and I took it. <laughs> There's something lovely about a cup of tea. 
and it was just it was lukewarm I drank it but it was lukewarm but at least I was going home I was only up visiting I was able to go home and have a hot there's something about a hot cup of tea and, and I know and I appreciate in big hospitals you know like CUH you know it's a huge hospital and trying to get tea around to every, everyone how do they do it and ensure that people get a, you know a hot cup of tea it's it's something that obviously has been highlighted that's why these patient surveys are so good it might sound like a really stupid thing but when you're in hospital and all you want is that warming cup of tea and it can, it can help it actually help in, in you getting better I'm not saying you know it's not going to it's going to work like an antibiotic or, or an operation or a procedure or anything like that but it's just it's comforting in some way and when you're you feel comfortable and when you feel safe it does aid with your recovery I, I certainly think it, it does but that's why these services are so good hospitals can learn because maybe it's something because it isn't something you're going to complain about and, and I mean how often have, has somebody while being a patient in a hospital you're so thankful to be in there in the bed and to be getting the care the last thing you're going to be complaining about is oh by the way my, my tea wasn't very wasn't very hot but it is something that's been reflected in a lot of the service across all of the hospitals Councillor Paul Hayes thank you for your texting hi Patricia just to let you know that Tommy Fleming we mentioned Tommy he's in Charleville listening on Saturday night he will be back in West Cork this Christmas to sing in the wonderful surroundings of St. Patrick's Church in Dunmanway concert is down for Friday the 14th of December now there that's the one that will get you into the Christmas spirit it's a fundraiser for the Dunmanway Playground Renovation Fund limited amount of tickets uh, still available and details on the Dunmanway Playground Facebook page and tickets are on sale in numerous outlets around uh, Dunmanway I I would buy them in plenty of time don't be thinking there'll be some available on the day they will sell out really really quickly and you know particularly in that period you're really into the Christmas spirit then and the countdown is really underway the Friday the 14th of December and the texter says uh, Patricia how awful it was listening to your show yesterday about that poor cat and the dog killed by the hunting dogs surely people were in charge of that pack of dogs I hope no no children saw the mauling of that poor cat yeah, it was Michael Scanlon actually from our sports department it was his cat now luckily uh, himself and his wife and his son who owned the cat they didn't thankfully see they thought their cat was missing and they spent Sunday evening out looking for the cat and then it was the following day one of their neighbours realised that the cat had been uh, mauled and killed by the, the pack of dogs in a dreadful, dreadful way to lose a family pet. 1850 A reminder to you, we're taking your gardening questions. John Paul is taking them by phone and I'm taking them here into the studio by text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. And as I mentioned earlier, but another mention of it, bingo has been cancelled tonight in the Adele Quinn Hall. It will resume at the usual time next Wednesday. Davis College in Mallow are presenting Aladdin, the pantomime. That's on tonight and runs through up to and including Friday. It's on half seven and nightly with tickets available from the college are at the door. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board, they've got a donor clinic at the Cork Race Course in Mallow. They're there today and tomorrow. It's on from three to five in the afternoon and they have an evening session.
session from 7 until 9pm. The Q Centre in Mallow, they're taking applications for a part-time art and craft course which starts on Tuesday the 15th of January from 10am to 1am. The course is free to early school leavers and all medical card holders are those receiving a social welfare payment. You can contact the Q Centre on 0225452. And Inside Out Cork is a group set up for people who want to talk about mental health. They'll meet in St Michael's Centre on 36 South Main Street in Bandham. A meeting tonight at 7. More information from Dermot at 086 335 And a farmers meeting organised by the ICSA will be held in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry tomorrow night at 8. Guest speakers will be Donald Murphy from Drina Co-op who will speak on animal nutrition, Fembert O'Shea from Bantry Credit Union on local farm finance and Dermot Kelleher often joins us here on the programme from the ICSA on the future of the suckler and beef herd and Eddie Punch from the ICSA on cap reform will also speak. And a coffee morning will be held this coming Friday in the Bantry Bay Hotel from 11am to 1.30pm PM and it's in aid of the Irish Community Air Ambulance. Coming your texts coming in. Trisha was in hospital twice this year, one through A and E and one was uh, elective. Uh, patient next to me, this is when they're in the A and E. The patient next to me could quote the doctor word for word what the doctor had said to me. It ended up that the physio whispered at other times. Uh, other than that, it was a great experience, uh, says Trish. And actually, if you read the Hikwa reports all of the hospitals that comes up that there was just no respect or privacy particularly in the A&E's it comes up I think in nearly all of the reports in all of the hospitals people had the very same thing uh, to say and Sheila says well, we're talking about the cup of tea at the hospital my god Trish you're, sa- you're turning into Mrs Doyle with your nice hot cot cup of tea <laughs> yeah but there's something very comforting and warm about, the, about it is there not somebody else is on about tea Joan says it's not only hospitals it's restaurants as well nobody gives tea off the boil anymore That's anybody else notice that? It seems to be about 80% warm. Uh, but Joan says her recommendation for the best cup of tea around at the moment is in O'Callaghan's in Mitchellstown. If people want to go, check that out. Thank you, Joan. Anybody got advice from Mary when we were talking about trees and trees coming down and trees getting damaged and the fear is that on the next storm they'll come down. Mary says our neighbours have very high trees and their trees are coming in, their trees are coming in over the walls of our house. And it's not just us, but also our other neighbours' houses as well. In particular, one tree, if it does decide to fall down, it's going to fall right on my bedroom. We've spoken to our neighbour, Lisa, that shirt's fine, don't worry about it, that tree won't come down at all. But with the weather, we're awake half the night, worried in case this tree is going to come down and straight through our bedroom. What can I do? Does anybody know, do I have any rights around this? In the past, we paid half to have the trees cut. We went half with the neighbour. But this time round, he wants us to pay in full from what we can make out. And that doesn't seem very fair. Doesn't seem very fair that the tree is is in is on his property. And what how if God forbid, and I don't want to worry on this, but if God forbid, Mary, the tree did your neighbour's tree did come down and did end up going through your bedroom or in some way damaging your property, is would he not be responsible then? Surely it's out of his in house insurance have come and not yours. Um, We'll give it out to see if anybody can offer words of advice to Mary as to what she can do. Can she force the neighbour to cut down the trees at his expense because they are his trees but they're leaning in on her property and with the way they're leaning if there's a storm it's down on her house they come. Or as she's done before she went half 
should she be paying it looks like he wants her to pay the full amount which whatever even about offering I think you were jolly decent to pay for half the tree to cut to go halves the last time that they cut some of the trees uh, down thought that was you know very decent of you anyway if anybody has advice for Mary, please let us know. 1850 at 333-103. I want to go to an email that came in following our programme yesterday to Patricia at c103.ie. And it reads, hi Patricia, if you read this message out, please do not read out my name, which is fine. As an abuse survivor, I listened with interest to your interview yesterday with Father Tim Hazelwood and Father Tim uh, joined us yesterday and this was to do with priests uh, who die while facing accusations of sexual abuse. They're being denied traditional church funerals and it was revealed by the Association of Catholic Priests. So that's the topic that we were we were discussing. So this is an abuse survivor that I listened with interest to Father Tim yesterday. What really annoyed me was the listener who texted in for the, following Father Tim's interview to say that she was sickened by what Father Tim had to say. And she gave the reason as having sympathy for the accuser, thereby pronouncing the accused guilty without the benefit of a fair trial. Just because somebody says something happens, it doesn't necessarily mean it really did happen. I fear that because there's no statute of limitations in such cases, uh, an innocent accused may never be able to successfully defend themselves. I sincerely hope that the author of the text is never called upon by jury service in such a, a trial. And I thought, thank you for that. And that's that's really, I, I really think that's an important email coming from somebody who was a survivor of uh, abuse, who would almost be pouncing on anyone that ever gets accused of abuse, would almost be thinking, oh, they've got to all be guilty. But you're somebody who sees who really is seeing both sides of the coin. So fair dues to you for that. And what I thought was important to listen to Father Tim, and, and I deliberately brought up his own false accusations, you know, because he's somebody who can really give you an insight into somebody who has been false, falsely accused. And when he spoke about, you know, an elderly pr- priest who has an accusation against him, you know, and if it is a false accusation and because he's in his 80s and that man may die and he may never go to court, he may never be able to prove that he is innocent. And then he goes and he's buried under these rules and regulations that the Catholic Church are introducing and um, that they get a kind of slightly different funeral to anybody else. Well, the actual rites would be the same, but it's all done under shadow of darkness almost. And you feel for the family of that priest as well, because they die with that question mark always over their head, because obviously if the accuser dies then that's the that's the case done and dusted and I thought you know listening to Father Tim who remember was anonymously and falsely accused of uh, child abuse and he would say himself and he's spoken about this in the past that he was cut loose and left as he said hang he was hung out to dry by by the church authorities when the allegation was made back in 2010 and it took him 6 years he had to fight through the courts to eventually receive an apology from the person who made up the allegation. But the, at the time of the, the allegation, he was just, you know, cut off by the Catholic Church. It was just, it was, it was, it was dreadful what, what he went through. And then to have to wait six years for a, the, for a high court action to finally get a apology, which, which, which he eventually did uh, get. So, yeah, uh, and that's not to take away from somebody who has suffered abuse and has been abused. And there was, unfortunately, many, many members of um, both priests and nuns and Christian brothers who um, and other religious who did the most he- heinous of acts 
uh, to children and they can never be forgotten either and, and never would I want to. 1850-333-103 and also reverse, re- reverting back to yesterday for a moment because I do want to give this a mention. We Yesterday I did an interview with um, David O'Brien from the Mallow Child of Red Cross. They were talking about their spinathon and their... They're doing a fundraiser and, we, and that then led to us talking about the Red Cross and the great work that the Red Cross do. And we, and we forget the great work that goes on. And I, I in particular, mentioned um, the Beast from the East and Storm Emma, which happened in the March, wasn't it February, March, February into March. And the, the Mallow and Charleville Red Cross, as indeed Red Crosses all over the country, really came into their own. And they did unbelievable work. While we were all safely tucked up at home, you know, heeding the warnings don't go out unless it's absolutely necessary and all that the Red Cross took to the roads and did and they they operated a 24-7 coverage for those few days and just, just did incredible work volunteers remember that none of them get paid well well, I mentioned that yesterday it's it's prompted somebody to text us and say good morning Patricia with the bad weather this morning and your interview with the local Red Cross ambulance yesterday it has reminded me of the invaluable work of the local Red Cross and what they did for my family uh, earlier this year during Storm Emma they went above and beyond the call of duty in getting to us in a very remote part of North Cork when all others had failed due to the bad snow they managed to get our gravely ill palliative care family member to hospital when he so so needed it at the time we will be forever grateful to the Mallowcharleville Red Cross nurse Mary Carey and the driver of their special Jeep ambulance, Michael O'Callaghan. Our sincere thanks to them, uh, Patricia, from a forever grateful family. And I'm sure that Bill Brown in the Corkman wrote about that piece at the time. Because if my memory serves me right, the Red Cross nurse Mary Carey had been working in Mallow Hospital and she literally came off duty, donned her Red Cross uniform got into the ambulance with Michael O'Callaghan and it was, a, it was a mountainous area I'm sure they went up in their jeep the jeep had to be dug out at one stage and a journey that shouldn't take any more than an hour I think it took them six hours but they did it and they went and realised that this I didn't I just didn't realise that the patient was so uh, gravely, a grave, gravely ill palliative care person goodness me yeah, they're fantastic. They're there, and they are, they are unsung heroes because you don't often get to hear about the work. We see the Red Cross when we go to big events. If you go to a concert, you'll see the Red Cross. Or somebody yesterday was talking about the Charleville Show wouldn't go ahead without the Red Cross. Somebody else was talking about the Charleville Half Marathon wouldn't go ahead without the Red Cross. And you see them there, but you forget during times of emergencies and when there are severe weather alerts the Red Cross volunteers you know do amazing work and, and don't get paid they, they really are terrific so anything we can do to support them so that spinathon for let me see and I'll give you the details again the spinathon for the Red Cross it's not on for till the week after next, isn't it? Yeah, it's Saturday the 8th of December, the big shopping day, you know, when everyone is out shopping. If you're in and around uh, Market Square in Mallow, you'll see all the bikes lined up and you'll see them doing their spinning. That's what they're spinning for. They're spinning to keep the great work of the Red Cross going in Mallow and in Charleville. So if you can donate or help out or do a bit of spinning, uh, please do. 1850 And thank you to that listener for taking time out to send uh, that uh, text. And hi, Patricia, would you please give a mention to the Castle Magna Players Drama Group? They are taking to the stage for the final production of John B. Keane's play Big Maggie, Castle Magna Community Centre. It's this Friday, Saturday and Sunday, 8 o'clock each night. Tickets available at the door. 
10 euro to get in and I promised to be a great night of entertainment and they were actually they they put that production on last weekend and actually on Monday we had some calls and texts in from people who went along to say it was absolutely stunning stunning one person in particular was talking about the set design I don't know who the set designers are from Castle Magna Players Drama Group but whoever the set designers are take a bow because somebody said it was just so spot on and realistic and brought them back to a different time uh, in their life so well done amateur drama is alive and well in uh, Cork City and County which is uh, terrific and the only way they can keep going is by bums on seats and people going along to, along to see them and any time there's a John B play play always worth going to see so Big Maggie this weekend Castle Magna Community Centre if you're looking for a good night out This is the Court Today replay on C103 mentioned the great work of the Red uh, Cross and everything we can do to support them. Somebody was on to say, Patricia, don't forget that the Strictly Come Dancing in the GAA Pavilion in Bandon on this Saturday night is in aid of the Red Cross. It is indeed. And the Rapid Response and the Bandon uh, Playground so people can support uh, that. And thank you, Margaret. It was David O'Sullivan was the Red Cross chairman that I was uh, speaking with yesterday. I think I called him David O'Brien. My apologies, David. is David uh, O'Sullivan. And also when I read out that lovely text saying the great work that the Red Cross did during the uh, storm Emma early in the year in getting that gravely ill palliative care family member to uh, hospital uh, it was from Mary from Newmarket she said she forgot to put her name uh, on it so thank you Mary and I'm sure the good people of the Red Cross uh, will remember your case and will remember you only too well so thank you for that OK let me go to the phone lines where Peter Dowdle the Irish gardener uh, joins us on a wild wild day uh, good afternoon to you Peter I thought you were going to say the wild, wild Peter Dowdall, but no, it is a wild, <laughs> wild day. Uh, yeah. There's damage being done today. <laughs> there is. There's trees up, there's branches down. There's, and, you know, I was just talking to somebody earlier, and whether we like it or not, I think the effects of ch- climate change are, are here to stay. Um, like, this has been a, a, a huge year of extremes. Like, we've, we had snow in March, and then we, four weeks later, we had the, the longest and, and warmest drought that I think we've nearly ever experienced, and now we're back to the storm. So I don't know if we're going to get the drought and the snow again, but the storms year on year now are definitely becoming more frequent and more fierce. And I think it's important if any for any landowners and any gardeners to take action in advance of winters now to, to make the garden safe, you know. In other words, if you have overhanging branches, Trish, or if you have trees which may look a bit unstable, take action. I know it's expensive to get the tree surgeons in, but oftentimes if you do nothing and let nature take its course, it'll prove a lot more expensive because she won't care about cars or human life or gardens or anything. So, you know, I think I, th- I don't think we can we can avoid the reality that these storms are becoming more frequent and more fierce. So we, we need to be careful in, in the garden. You may know the answer to this. A listener has contacted us uh, on this very issue of, of uh, trees and she's got a problem in that it's trees in her neighbour's house. It's overhanging her wall and overhanging her house. And there's one tree in particular that she's terrified. You know, she, she was awake all night thinking that it's going to come down, it's going to come down. And if, if it comes down, she says, it's going to land on her bedroom with the way it's obviously it's an old, tall uh, tree. Um, she says she's spoken to the neighbour. The neighbour reckons, no, it's fine. That tree won't come down um, and is, you know, doesn't want to do anything about it. Now, she said before they went to have... They, she and the neighbour paid half to have some trees, the tops taken off some trees or to cut down other trees. But she reckons this time the neighbour wants her to pay the full amount, even though the tree is on his land. But what would happen if the tree fell from his property onto hers and damaged her house? 
Is it is it his house insurance or her house insurance? It's it's. Uh, I, I stand to be corrected on this, but I, I'm fairly sure that I'm right. I'm 99 percent sure that I'm correct in that it's the, the owner of the trees. Yeah. Public liability insurance is is what would would come after, uh, but it's not something you want to happen. So she's right to raise the concern that the tree is the 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 concern of or the responsibility of the person whose land it's growing on. So if it falls on this person's house, then the person who owns the tree is, is responsible. And particularly, I would say they won't have a leg to stand on if a potential safety issue has been brought to their attention. Yeah, which uh, and, it has. And they've, done nothing, and they've done nothing about it. Now, I'm always, when I hear, when I heard you starting there, and the neighbour and the neighbour's property, I, I kind of, I'm very scared to get, to get involved. But it sounds like they're reasonable and they get on well with each other, obviously, because, you know, they've, they've, they've speak about it, they've, they've shared costs in the past. Um and that's always, I mean, like in every walk of life, Trish, it's, you know, common sense needs to prevail in these situations. Um, and I think she needs to get, get across to him just how worried she is. I mean, there's no point well, in lying awake at night if he doesn't realise how worried she is. Well, I was just going to say, the it's one thing for her to say that she thinks it's unstable and for him to say, no, I think it's fine, unless either of them uh, are professional and qualified arborists, that their, their, their opinion doesn't really matter. So I would say that the first course of action would be I would get on to a tree surgeon uh, somebody like Neil Vaughan who's based in McCroom there are there are other, obviously other tree surgeons Neil Vaughan is just the one that I use but there are loads of them around um, and get somebody to have a look at the tree and maybe survey the tree and they, they'll know whether it's unstable or whether it's suffering from disease and get a, qualify, or a professional opinion on it and at least then you know where you stand now obviously in terms of cost, that's between the two of them. I won't get involved, but just so people are aware of of the law and the legal implications with trees, you are entitled to. to you're not entitled to damage your neighbour's tree. Of course, you're not entitled to go in and do anything to the tree, but you are entitled to remove any boughs that are overhanging your property. All right, because so Ma- yeah, Martin, Martin in Mitchestown says anything that's growing into that woman's land, she can cut once it's over the wall, but she can't cut into his side of it. Correct, but yeah. then you might be making the tree even more unstable. Yeah. You know? So you really would need a professional to look at it with trees because, I mean, if it comes, you obviously, obviously, because I was saying she doesn't want to come down on top of her house, no matter who's in the right or wrong, she doesn't want it happening. Uh, so I would just get a professional up to have a look at it. Okay. And there will be an expense involved in that, but you know what? It might it's be worth an expense it. at the end of the day. And yeah. for, for everybody, landowners, gardeners, after a storm like this, take a look at yes. you know root yes, damage yes, yes, and, and all of yes. that okay and in from why let's get straight into questions and in from why I have a Christmas tree growing in a pot uh, since last year when Christmas was over I put it outside in the pot uh, I put it into a shed when it got frosty and then back out in the garden again now I want to bring it back into the house but it's gone too big can I trim it back Yes, yes is the short answer to your question. You can trim it back, but you will ruin the shape. So you'll lose, like that Christmas tree shape is, you know, it's a very specific shape, obviously, and it's, it's created by the, the leader of the plant, the leader, the, the, trees, the tree's main stem is referred to as the leader. So the leader is obviously going upright and the rest of the shape is determined from that. So if you remove that leader, you you know, you can do it. You won't damage the tree, but you will ruin the shape. So you might get away with it this year, but then next year the shape will be gone. So uh, the answer to your question is yes, you won't damage the plant, but you, you will lose the shape. Okay, I, I question why she took it in when it was frosty. They were designed well, to be outside. She didn't need to. Yeah, she didn't need to. No, they'd yeah. be more than fine okay. with temperatures. Okay, Mary and Kiss Game. Uh, hi, Peter. We have a monkey tree growing, approximately 10 years old. Fabulous growth and it looks great. However, it is now growing out over the path edge and it's catching us as we walk along the garden path. Can we trim it, trim it back or would we be better to redesign the garden path? Says Mary in Kiss Game. It, it, 
Do you know, I'm glad she's asking the question because I love hearing that. We mightn't, hurt, we mightn't touch the tree, we might redesign the garden. That's <laughs> a lovely attitude to have. But uh, I'm struggling with an answer and it's, I'm not being a snob by saying this, but it's, but it's because of the common name. Um, if I knew exactly which tree it was, because a number of things are referred to as the monkey tree. So it could be the monkey puzzle, which is a plant called Araucaria. That's the one um, I'm thinking of with all the spikes. Yes, which is yeah. very spiky. And, and the fact that it's catching them, would that be it? It could be. The, you know the cord line then, you do know the cord line yeah. of Trish. That's also often referred to as the monkey palm or a monkey tree. Um, so depending on which one it is, if it's the monkey puzzle, yes, you could. But I'd be slow to because it has a, it's so slow growing and it does also develop a lovely shape. If it's the cord line, you can't really. You have to wait till the, the crown raises or grows above the path, which could be a number of years. Yes, I would say take a picture of it, send it in to to, to, to John Paul there, maybe or send it in to myself on Facebook, the Irish Gardener. We'll have a look at it and I, I'll give better advice. But I think in, in either instance, if it's possible to redesign the path around it, I think I would. Okay, yeah, and because it's because even the way she describes it, it's that it's fabulous. It just it it sounds like it's a gorgeous tree. You don't want to do anything to to, to damage shape, it. Yeah. Okay. Would could Peter? What would Peter suggest for a quick growing shelter? It's very windy where I live. If if it's a shelter kind of to a reasonably low height, like two or three meters up to ten feet, I'd look at a good hedge, something like Ailey Agnes. I would say is the most one of the best. It's a good evergreen hedge and one of the best for wind exposure. You've also got things like the white thorn, black thorn, those that you see in our native hedgerows. They're also excellent for exposed conditions. So those ones are deciduous. If though you're looking for more shelter in terms of like a tree, you could look at something like the mountain ash. Or if you have a, if it's a very very large area like a farm situation, you could use something like poplars. But bear in mind the poplars will give great wind protection, but they will get very very tall with the vast root network. They're not something suitable for a domestic situation, um, but certainly fine in a farm situation. It does depend, as I say, really what height you're looking for. If it's a hedge, I go for one of the ones I mentioned there, like Haley Agnes, uh, Hawthorn, Whitethorn. Uh, if it's a tree, look at something maybe like mountain ash. Okay, hi uh, Peter. Can I move a fisherman's rod now? It is too near a hedge and it actually doesn't get much sunlight. Also, can I take hardwood cuttings from a rhododendron? That's coming in from Helen. Okay, the, the dealing with the diorama first or the angel's fishing rod, stunning plant, and yes, you can move it now. Uh, you can move it any time during the winter and it, it's native to South Africa and it does like full, full sun, so they're right to look at moving it from the hedge. It'll perform much, much better. Uh, do be careful where you put it, and I'm not just being careful in terms of aesthetics because it's, it's one of these plants, which it's, it's absolutely stunning when it's in flower, but it's got a short enough flowering period. Uh, and when it's not in flower, it can be a bit untidy looking. So maybe position it behind something that's a bit that's lower than it. You know what I mean? Mm. So so that you don't see the untidy part of the plant, but you do see these lovely blooms when they come during the summer. Um, but yes, you can move it now. Uh, hardwood cuttings from a rhododendron? No, you you would take hardwood cuttings really just from deciduous plants. Uh, so like apples, fruit trees and a lot of them are growing from hardwood cuttings this time of the year. Uh, with rhododendron, it'll be a soft wood cutting. It's a cutting taken from current year's growth. and You've gone too late for that this year, really. Um, so you'll be looking at next kind of midsummer onwards, I would say. Mike in Bantry wants to buy a miniature apple tree to grow in a very large pot. What variety would Peter uh, advised. I always, I always pardon the pun, but I always hedge these questions or duck these questions because um, the variety is very much personal taste. Okay? Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, it's whether you like a sweet apple or a green apple or a red apple. It, it, that's personal taste. But what I would say, and maybe this is what they're asking, is, is that the overall height of an apple tree is going to be determined by its root stock, not the variety. 
So without getting too far into it, Trish, it just depends on what the, what rootstock the, the variety is crafted onto. There's uh, there's a brand of apple tree, for want of a better word, called Coronet. Now the Coronet apple trees, uh, it, when you see the, the label Coronet, it just means that it's grafted onto a very dwarfing rootstock, so that that apple tree will not grow higher than let's say four or five feet. So it's very very small and very suitable for for use in a container or a pot. And then once you're using the Coronet rootstock, any any variety can be grafted onto it. So first of all, look for your coronet and then decide yourself on whether you want a sweet one or, or a, a slightly tart one or a cooker or an eater or a red or a green. But coronet is the important But If you find yourself a coronet apple tree, that would be dwarf enough to stay in a pot. Okay. Um, I'm conscious of the time. Have you, um, you have a charity thing that you want to give a plug to or a Christmas event? Well, yes, there's uh, on the 6th of December, okay. uh, in aid of Enable Ireland, I'm just looking at it here in front of me now, Trish, sorry. So get so, all the uh, details. Uh, yeah, Eileen O'Brien, who's a member of IFA, the Association of Irish, Irish Floral Art, Artists. Eileen O'Brien from Kinsale will be demonstrating in aid of Enable Ireland in Cork's Rory Gallagher Theatre in the CIT in Bishopstown. It's from 7 until 9.30, uh, with crafts all open from 6.30, did I give the date? The 6th of 6th December. 6th of December, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm sure the Enable Ireland website will have more. And there's the, fa- the fact that there's a craft stall, it's a great place to get Christmas presents. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mentioned one last week for the hospice, which was a, a, a sellout and a great event, I believe. And they've been on to me to thank, to thank everybody involved, thank Oriel House, thank the, the, everybody who came. And in particular, to thank yourself and C103 for, for mentioning it. Well, yeah. actually, we had some calls in the following day saying what a fantastic night it was. Yeah. So that yeah. was, uh, I, was, I was thrilled that, that we'd given a dimension and sent people on there because they said it was really brilliant. And John they Paul, are very entertaining. John Paul said there's been a few calls in uh, for you to, uh, to name the tree surgeon in McCroom, please. Oh God, uh, Neil Vaughan. Neil, Neil Vaughan is his name, yeah. Uh, he, he's on Facebook and he's on, you'll find him online. But he is, he's good, he, he knows, he, he's one of these guys who, who knows trees there's an innate knowledge he knows yeah. what he's talking about he's very very good okay. and for, any, for anybody who did miss the hospice one 6th of December in, in CIT you'll have another one for okay thank you for that have a lovely week Thanks, well that's the Irish Gardener Peter Dowdell will talk with Peter again next Wednesday that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick's with you for the afternoon back to you tomorrow at 10 Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 For C103 photos and more, follow us on Instagram at C103Cork. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.